listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Fret Files Podcast. My name is Eric Daw, your personal guitar curmudgeon with 25 years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host, Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener-submitted questions and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Mm-hmm. Melissa's really the star of the show. I just, I just answer the questions, but <laughs> she's the reason you listen. Mm. I assume. Mm. So quick weather report for you here. It is raining guitars. Oh, dear. Uh, it, it's, it's a good thing. You know, you remember a, a while ago I was saying to you as we were driving around town, I said, where are all the guitars? Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden all these guitars show up in my life that I uh, am tempted to buy and have the opportunity to buy. I don't think I can buy them all at once, though. That's the problem. Can I? Send your donations into. Can I buy them all at once? Oh, I see what you're doing. I see. Uh, yes? You heard it here first. <laughs> I, it's on tape. I can. I have permission to buy all these guitars. All right. Uh, I had some guitar news printed out, but it was too depressing, so I threw it away. Oh, dear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't even really want to. Everything's depressing nowadays. Let's keep it chipper. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the greatest year I've ever had. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't know about anybody else, but personally, it's, been it's, banner, just, been, it's banner just been great. Just one thing after another has been great. You know what's been actually le- legitimately great? What? Is we got a cat. Yeah, we did. So at the beginning of March, we had to put our cat down. She was 18 and she was old she was seriously she old. was old i didn't want to do it i had a bad feeling that it was a bad omen oh oh at I the beginning like of was, march yeah i felt like it was a bad omen well what could have happened and, in March? Uh, uh, how weird anyway this whole year it's ruined the whole year yeah. so you can blame 2020 on, on we us put our putting, cat down. putting our cat down anyway so last week the uh, shelters finally opened again, and we went and got a little kitty, and he is the cutest thing I've ever seen, and he's mm-hmm. so snuggly and mm-hmm. sweet, and I love him. Mm-hmm. I agree, but none of our listeners care. So um, let's get right <laughs> into some calls, shall we? Okay. Hey, Eric and Melissa. This is Miles from Arlington, Virginia, and I've got a question about adjusting the two uh, P90 dog ear pickups on a. 1965 ES125 CD arch top. It's uh, it's Gibson's uh, fat fat bodied one. Mm-hmm. 
over the years, that top has been lowering gradually, and I've uh, moved the pickups. Or I've I've unscrewed the pole pieces uh, to get them closer to the strings. But I'm wondering, what's the? Is there a? Should I shim up the whole pickup to get it closer? Is that a better practice, or is it is it is it a better idea to to take those pole pieces and 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 use them instead? Thanks. You betcha. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Uh, so that's a common problem, and and uh, those um, those pole pieces can be raised up, and there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is if it really gets out of hand, and you end up with you know awkwardly high pole pieces, and you'll you'll know by looking at it. You know, I mean, if they're if they're really sitting up high, um, then yeah, the thing to do is to shim them, to shim the whole pickup, and they make shims. They make, you know, spacers for those. You can get them from any number of sources. All Parts makes one. Uh, I, I don't really like the size of the ones that you get from All Parts. Um, in my opinion, the hot ticket is to get a shim pack from Lawler Pickups. So if you go to Lawler Guitars, yeah, LawlerGuitars.com, and under accessories, they have a shim pack for dog ear, dog ear P90s. It's 20 bucks. I think there's a half a dozen shims in there. Um, and they're different sizes. You know, there's, well, let me just, let me find this and read it to you. Hold on. Product details. Shim pack. This is from Lawler's website. There is no definitive way of knowing exactly what thickness of shims your guitar will need. The exact set of the the exact set of the neck can vary from guitar to guitar, so there's no way of knowing for sure until you've got the instrument on your workbench. Our best recommendation is to purchase our shim pack, which consists oh, which contains the six most commonly used shims. These can also be stacked to achieve a variety of heights. And it includes two of three different sizes. Right. So um that's the hot ticket because it's only twenty bucks, and I think the all parts one is twenty bucks for a set of two. And I think the set of two has a, a fat one and a thin one. But again, like I said, the ones from all parts are a weird size. They're like you you'll see that it's bigger than the whole P nine. It's bigger than the whole cover, right? The shim pack that you get from Lawler is the right size. They're varying heights, and it's about the cheapest thing going. Um, so that's the that's the right way to do it. That's that's what I would do. I've ordered those shim packs several times, you know, because people will bring guitars for me to work on, and and having those shim packs is invaluable because that's the right, uh, you know, part for the job. So there you go. Cool. Thanks, thanks for the call, Miles. He was Miles from Arlington. My <laughs> Miles from Arlington. Well, right on cue here are. Uh, our internet has crapped out, so I can't play these calls. Nice. Yeah, so uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, should we take some e- some hey, some emails? Yeah. The cat just pushed my that microphone cat, out of the way. That, that cat gets into more trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, let's, uh, okay, let's do this first page of uh, questions, shall we Kay. do that? Yes. I, I think so. All right, we, we have letters. Yeah. A few 
few questions for you. Number one, I am not a tech at all. I was using pliers to remove a strip screw from a neck pickup on a Made in Mexico telly. I failed and gave up, but when I plugged my guitar in, my pickup was much quieter and the ground hum was louder. But the more interesting thing is that my tone knob became what seems to be another volume knob. Hmm. It does do all the normal tone knob functions, but when I roll off the highs off, when I roll the highs off, it also lowers the volume substantially. I do not have a bridge pickup installed in the guitar to see if it happens on that one too. Hmm. Uh, number two, should we take them one at a time? Yeah. Okay. It, you killed your pickup. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. It. I. You probably. Um bumped into the coil with your pliers when you were, whatever you were doing there. Is that what he was doing? Yeah, he was using pliers to try to remove a stripped screw from a neck pickup. So, yeah, an, a pickup that has a uh, a break somewhere in the wire will still actually make sound, but this is exactly what it will do. It will be very quiet, and then your tone knob works as a volume control. Yeah, so you killed that pickup, my man. So sorry about that. Dang it. Mm-hmm. Do you happen to know someone who could rewind a pickup or make I a new do. pickup? Do, do you mean me? Oh, I was yes, talking about I could. Lawler. Yeah, right. You want to go to lawlerguitars.com. <laughs> no, I, I can fix that if you want to send it to me. There's any number of people that can fix it for you. Uh, okay, and number two, why are telebridge pickups screwed into the bridge and not into the wood? That's just how they designed them, Mike. Um his name is Mike. Yeah, that's from Mike. Yeah. That's just how they designed them, you know. Um a, a lot of Fender guitars, that's uh uh pickups are either pick pick guard mounted or, you know, bridge mounted. Mm-hmm. The Tele neck pickup is one of the only uh and also the P-Bass pickup. Those are some of the only exceptions, but you know, most Fender pickups are mounted into something besides the wood. So uh, it's pretty consistent with how they did things. There is a model of Telecaster that Fender makes where the uh, pickup does mount directly into the wood, and it's the G.E. Smith version. Do you know who G.E. Smith is? Nope. Ah, great, great guitar player. Oh, he what? He's the band leader uh, for Saturday Night Live oh, for years. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know if he's the band leader. He's, a, I think he is the band leader. He's the guitar player guy that is super cool. Cool. That was always the best part of Saturday Night Live for me was those little snippets of that band playing. That bass player that looked like Abraham Lincoln and G.E. <laughs> Smith, the telly player, smoking band. They're great. Uh, next question, please. Mm-hmm. Dear Banjo haters, I play banjo and listen to the Fret Files, and I just wanted to let you know that I am not offended at all by your banjo jokes or your dis- decision to no longer work on banjos. Banjo humor is part of banjo culture, in my opinion, like guitar player jokes are a part of guitar culture. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, rock on and keep doing what you do. The podcast is a joy. That's from Ken in oh. North Carolina. Cool. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a banjo hater. I mean, it's just not my thing, man. I I don't hate I don't hate anything. It, well, you know, there's some music that I have strong dislike for, but but uh, you know, banjos are cool. I just I I I just don't work on them. It's not my thing. Thanks, Ken. 
I, I have a one problem with your thing. Yeah. G- guitar player jokes are a part of guitar culture. I don't think I've ever heard a guitar player joke. I've heard bass player jokes. You haven't? Tell me a guitar player joke. How many guitar players does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? Only one, but it then it takes 10 of them to say, oh, I could I could have done that better. Okay. That was a terrible joke. Well, maybe I told it wrong and you put me on the spot, but that's the gist of it. <laughs> okay. Hello, Eric and Melissa. I am contemplating the color from a next custom Strat build, and when I Google Fiesta Red, I get a whole rainbow of different shades of red. Mm. Is there such thing as a true Fiesta Red, or is it all a muddled variation? Mm-hmm. What if I want a more pinkish Fiesta Red, but it gets painted a dark Fiesta Red? Confused in Connecticut. <laughs> Well, Mr. Confused, uh, this only confuses two kinds of people, guitar players and non-guitar players. <laughs> I think I've used that joke before yeah, on the podcast. I'm that's sorry. A good I'm recycling joke. I'm recycling material now. I mean, it's, we just might as well just quit doing this podcast. It's just, it's run its course, okay. you know? Good night, everybody. Uh, it's true. If you Google Fiesta Red, you come up with all kinds of shades of red, and uh, it is true. The reason for this is 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 um, complicated, but uh, Fender, you know, w- w- if you want to go back to the original, um, it was called Fullerton Red to begin with, mm-hmm. and then Fiesta Red. Uh, they... Um, they had that paint mixed for them, right? Mm-hmm. And so they would get it in batches, and it might it might be different from one batch to the next, just slightly, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so there's a little bit of variation there. Now, there shouldn't be too much variation. It should be pretty consistent from one batch to the next. But then, depending on how um, they sprayed it, so if they put um, a real thick white primer under it, then uh, it looks different than if they have a darker primer with less coats of red, right? Mm-hmm. And then they clear coat it or not. You know, some custom colors weren't clear coated. So depending on how much they clear coated it or if they did at all, then that clear color, that clear coat yellows over time. So you end up with this kind of this palette of Fiesta Red that there's not, I mean, there there, there supposedly is the, the true Fiesta Red, right? But um, it varies from guitar to guitar because of all these reasons. And if you really want to see what real Fiesta Red looks like, you'd have to look at like a late 50s, early 60s Fiesta Red guitar, take the pit guard off and look under the pit guard to see you know how it how it looked um as you know cuz that right. hasn't been exposed to uv light right and there's got to be pictures of that online oh yeah but then the other problem is you're looking at it on a computer yeah you want to see it in person because just you look at it on two different computers it'll be two different colors right so it's tricky if you um are having a guitar painted and you want it a certain shade of Fiesta Red, then tell the guy painting it, hey, I kind of want this on the pinkish or faded side of Fiesta Red, or I want 
I want the real dark, vibrant Fiesta Red that, you know, a lot of people confuse Dakota Red with Fiesta Red, too, and they're, they're you know, Dakota Red is much darker and redder. Fiesta Red has a little bit more of a pink hue, like t- like tomato soup, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyhow, thanks for the question. You guys were talking about James Cotton on the last podcast. DNDB, which apparently means definitely not dad blues. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, for me, you have to go back a little further to nail his sweet spot. Check out Live and On the Move from the mid-70s. Mm. If nothing else, for the cover. Solid pinup material. <laughs> Just ordered some telly pickups. Looking forward to them. And keep up the good work, you two. That's from mm. Marcus. Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, man. I mean, James Cotton, it doesn't get much better. The original, the real blues guys, it just does I love that stuff so much. It just doesn't get any better than that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Marcus. Hi, Eric. Just listening to the new Fret Files episode. Love it. I think you're right. Eric Johnson once fooled the guitar nerds by saying that he can hear the difference of the brand of batteries in his effects pedals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I remember that. So I think it's fair to think that he was not completely serious when he said that. Cheers. That's from Sebastian. That's a good point. That is really a good point. So he maybe that was a joke when he was talking about flipping his uh, his pilot bulb around maybe that was a joke wow that's insane um let's try our um let's try our uh see if our our, internet works our phone calls once again doesn't look like it Hmm. that's a shame i guess we're gonna have to we're gonna have to come back to those calls uh all right well Let's take a break. Let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back and try this all again. So before we do that, you know, we we were just, we were sitting at the breakfast table this morning, and Melissa takes a sip of coffee like this, right? <laughs> and she says, you know, this coffee is next level. And I thought, that, that's absolutely right. I thought I was a coffee snob. And I was, and I still am, you know. I, mean, I try to buy really good-tasting coffee, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not know what I was missing out until I got Apex coffee. It really is next level. Anyhow, this episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available Roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. Apex Coffee. It's next level. You should use their tagline. It's really not their tagline. I I wrote that, too. I wrote this whole thing. Brett down at, at Apex Coffee just told me, uh, just write whatever you want, and I'm sure it'll be fine. So that's what I came up with. Oh, okay. Next level. That's what I came up with. Right. Well, it's true. I mean, we were drinking it going, man, this coffee is next level. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. We'll be right back. 
Hey guitar nerds, you probably already know that I make custom leather guitar straps. All of my straps are handcrafted from design all the way to completion. You can see examples of my past work on my Instagram account. That's at Melco Leather. Visit MelcoLeather.com now to get free shipping on orders of $35 or more within the U.S. That's MelcoLeather.com. M-E-L-C-O Leather.com. If you're at all curious about my guitar repair services or my custom guitars, you can check out my website, ericdaw.com. That's more the repair side of things. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. I would love to help you with that tricky repair or restoration. You know, maybe you don't have somebody in your area, or maybe you've got a very valuable guitar that you don't want to trust to just anybody. And the guitars that I make are at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's pinup, like pinup girl, P-I-N-U-P. I offer worldwide service uh, on repairs. People send me repairs from all over the country and, uh, well, even internationally. And I definitely send guitars all over the world. So if you're curious about what I do and want to learn more, that's how to check it out. ericdaw.com and pinupcustomguitars.com. Okay, we're going to have to try something we've never tried here before. Melissa's actually going to play these calls on her phone and hold the phone up to the microphone. This this might work and it might not. You know, it's funny because we could just edit all this madness out and just, you know, do the show like normal. But we're not going to. Well, then the show would be 10 minutes. Yeah. So uh, here we go. Hi, Mel. This is Ty from Vermont calling with a question for your curmudgeonly husband. What do Orville Gibson, the greatest, what, what are the greatest luthiers in the world? Orville Gibson, John D'Angelico, Jimmy DeCristo, John Mazzoleone, Lloyd Lore, and even Antonio Stradivari have in common. They all made and worked on Mandos. Later. Just saying. Bye. Oh, ho. how do you like them apples, Mr. Daw? What was his name? Ty. 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 <laughs> Let's have a talk, me and you. <laughs> to to quote the great Clark Griswold. <laughs> do you honestly think I don't know that? <laughs> uh yeah, I know that I look again. Let, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story <laughs> to illustrate a point. I ran a little, I ran a record store for a while. This is going back 20, 25 years. I ran a little used record store, and I also did guitar repairs out of this record store. This is when I was first starting out. And uh, people would bring me, you know, repairs and you know, whatever, any kind of anything. I, I didn't turn down anything, you know, dulcimers, whatever, banjos, guitars, you I know, I don't even know whatever. what a dulcimer is. Most people don't, and really, you're better off. Okay. Uh, and a couple of times, these sweet little old ladies would bring in their old rotary telephones for me to work on. And... 
they would, you know, come in with this t- old telephone and say, Sonny, this telephone is, I, it, for some reason, it's got a fuzzy sound or this button doesn't work or whatever was pro- the problem with the telephone, right? Well, they didn't know this, but I was into old telephones. I had a collection of old, I like old phones, okay, rotary, whatever, push button, wall hanging phones, you know, cool old Americana, Bakelite phones. Mm -hmm. They're cool. I had a dozen of them, right? Just on a shelf. I like them. I'd find them at thrift stores and I'd buy them and I'd use them. You know, this was back in the day when everybody had a landline, so I'm plugging it into the wall and used it. I loved it. Uh, And I thought, how does this little old lady know that I collect old phones and I mean, you know, I can't really fix them, but I could service it. You know, you open it up, you clean all the connections, and you put it back together, and nine times out of ten, that's all it takes. Yeah. Right? Like, well, okay, I'll, I'll take a look at it, you know. There's no sign out front that says phones. There's, th- I, I'm fixing guitars in here. I And I don't know how she, I don't, this happened a few times. And I would say, all right, what's your name and number, and I'll give you a call when I get it fixed uh, or, you know, I'll try my best to fix it. You know, I'll service yeah. it and see mm-hmm. what happens. Anyway, one day I was taking a walk on my lunch break and I, I go around the corner and th- lo and behold, around the corner from my little record shop was a telephone service store. <laughs> now these old ladies were bringing their telephone to the wrong place. But you were still doing the work. But I was so willing to work on anything that I'd say, "All right, Betty, I'll, I'll give you. I'll I'll take a look at it." Right. My point is, and of course, from then on, anytime anybody brought me a telephone, I'd be like, "Oh, you're looking for the place around the corner." <laughs> anyway, my point is that it's really not that I'm that picky for. Over 20 years, I would work on anything. Ouds. Sitars. You know. Worked on a lot of sitars? Trapdoor banjo Wow. Whatever you got, man. I'll fix it. That's at least that was my attitude until recently. The problem now is that I am, I'm literally drowned. There's too much work for me. There's not enough time in the day for me to fix the guitars that people are sending to me and and to make the guitars people are ordering, okay? I have to draw the line somewhere. I don't hate mandolins. I don't think that I'm somehow above working on them or banjos or anything else. It's just that I have to draw the line somewhere, okay? I'm busy. I don't, I'm not a banjo specialist, I'm not a uke or mando specialist, so that's where I drew the line, okay? It's it's not that I think that they're lesser instruments or anything like that. So, just, that's one last time for those of you sitting in the back of the class who maybe didn't hear it the first time. That's why. Okay? Okay. Should we take another call? Absolutely. Let this me is, just hold up my iPhone. Just hold up. We really have cutting edge technology here at the Fret Files podcast. Melissa's going hey, to. Hey, Eric and Melissa. I realize uh, I might be calling a little bit late because it's probably taping right now, um, and my reception isn't great. But I actually have a question for Melissa. 
Uh, when you are cleaning old leather guitar straps, are there any products that you use specifically? I picked up some cool straps from the 70s, but they both have some old tape residue on them. Um, <laughs> is this something I can use Goo Gun on, or should I avoid that and do something differently? Um, yeah, hope you guys are well. Take care. There you go. Um, well, I don't often clean old straps. Just putting that out there, first of all. Hmm. I don't often do that. Um, but the way I would go about it is... You know, Gugon's an oil-based thing, isn't it? I think so. It's petroleum-based, probably. I'm going to guess you're going to recommend saddle soap. I... That's my guess. Saddle soap is not... It's a cleaner, right? It That's is. what you told me. It is. It's a cleaner. It's a polisher. I guess I guess I would start with saddle soap, but I doubt that's going to do much if, if it's mm. really dried on residue. I, I some sort of oil based something is going to be your best bet, mm. probably. But try it in a little because it really it depends on what kind of leather it is too. If it's ve- vegetable tanned, you know, Gugon will change the color, but it it may come back to normal color. It may not. I don't know, especially. After 40 yeah, years. So try it in an inconspicuous yeah. spot first, right? Yeah. And, you know, even from one hide, you know, if you if you cut a, a strip from the back section of a hide versus the belly section of a hide, it's going to absorb things differently. And so, yeah, it might take on color if you put goo gun on it, but it probably would take the tape residue off too. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. But if it's like a... If it's something with a sealed surface, you mm-hmm. know, like, like a patent leather or something. Yeah, right. Um, then you probably won't have any problems with Goo Gone. Yeah. So uh, it really depends on what kind of leather it is. And uh, try it in an inconspicuous spot first. Does uh, uh, denatured alcohol? That will take the finish what? off of anything. Don't That'll... use denatured alcohol. Okay. What about naphtha? Have you ever tried that on leather? No, but that sounds like a bad idea, too. All right. Okay. Just going from my gut there. Yeah, sure. No, I understand. Very good. That's all the calls, isn't it? I hope so. I think so. so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. When I looked just before the show, we had back when, back in the good old days when our internet was working, uh, just before the show, uh, I looked and we had three calls. So, How are we going to post this if there's no internet? Well, we're not. So... This is going to be one for the books. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Let's continue with the emails. Okay. Eric and Melissa, I've always wanted one of those old 50s tellies, but with two kids and a mortgage, I've had to make compromises. About Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I found for sale a Fender Esquire made in Mexico, Mexico, basically true to spec. So I took a risk and bought this axe from a dude in Seattle, and it arrived in fine condition. I have since had it refretted and at, had a bone nut added at the Berkeley Music Service Shop in Boston. Thanks, Wolf. And installed a Duncan version of what would have been in this guitar, and it had it had been built in 1950 or so. <clears throat> Excuse me. It has a neck that is so thick it should probably have Louisville Slugger printed on it. Played through my old 63 Princeton tuxedo, this thing gets some very rootsy tones. My question, given that this guitar design is so basic, how would you compare it to what might have been made back in 1950? 
And if I might add, if someone were to want to avail themselves of what would be a near early 50s fender, what should they look for in terms of materials and construction? Best from David Whedon. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> David. Uh, how you doing, David? Nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, 50s tellies is where it's at. I mean, the, the, that's, that's my, uh, those are the guitars that I love. I do. I love them. And I've played a lot of them. I've played a lot of modern tellies too, and a lot of, you know, made in Mexico or Squire or whatever. And yeah, you can get, yeah, you can get kind of close, you know, with, you know, reasonably close in, in the sense that, you know, it, it's the same shape and kind of makes a similar sound and feels about the same. But the difference, the difference is, let me give you an example. In our son's room, we have a beautiful print of Van Gogh's Starry Night. It's great. It's awesome to look at, right? Mm -hmm. One of my favorite paintings. It's pretty big, you know. I don't know if it's the same size as the original painting, but it's great. It does what it's supposed to do. You look at it and you smile, right? Just like just like a made in Mexico telly. You plug it in, you play it, you smile, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you can compare that print to the original Van Gogh, and you can you can make this kind of comparison and say, well, really, what's the difference if it's about the same size and the colors are pretty close? You know, what's what's the difference? Well, the difference is that made in Mexico is is a copy of something that they're no longer capable of making that was made by people who, who were craftsmen with an eye for detail using materials that are either too expensive for a cheap guitar or no longer available. Okay. Uh, I mean, even just, even there's been, there's been a lot said about even Alnico, you know, certain minerals in the Alnico, like the cobalt, uh, the quality of cobalt that you get now is different than what you got in the fifties. So just in every way, this is a guitar that they just can't replicate for $400 mm -hmm. in a factory in Mexico. Yes, it's good. It's a good guitar. Yes. Um, your, your Mexican made telly, it, it's a lot like my print of starry night. You know, it does what it's supposed to do and it was affordable. Right. But if you want the real Van Gogh, you got to pay the real Van Gogh dollars. No, you'll have to steal it. Right. I don't recommend stealing any Van Gogh paintings. Uh, but um, is, that a, is that a comparison that, that makes sense? Yes. I mean, there's only one Starry Night, so it's not quite yeah. that kind of... But it's I not, see what you're it's saying. Not a, the original Fenders, um, there's a magic to them. And I'm sure... And it's something that you almost can't put your finger on entirely. If you looked at a print of the Mona Lisa right next to the real Mona Lisa, you would feel, more than see, you would feel 
how that original painting has just more gravity to it. Mm-hmm. Do you do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, he says if someone were to want to avail themselves of what would be a 50s fender, what should they be looking for? Well, Eric's been been honing that skill for the past 15 years. He's asking, how how am I going to get a guitar now that is similar to a 50s Fender? Oh, well, yeah, with without buying a 50s Fender. That is correct. Yeah, a boutique maker is the way to go. Oh, dear. Aww. There's just a very large, loud noise, so we have to go. All right, we're back. I don't know what that was. There's a loud noise. Yeah. Probably a, you probably heard it on the podcast. I don't know. Anyhow. We have more questions, don't we? Mm-hmm. Did I answer that one? David, a boutique builder who specializes in replicating early 50s Fender style guitars is... Would you happen to know someone like that? Again, I do. It would be me. But there's, there's a number of guys like me out there. So Okay. Thanks, David. Hey, Eric and Melissa, thank you so much for hosting such a great show. Thank you. Binge listening to your podcast over the past few months has been so enjoyable. The atmosphere you two create along with the volume of knowledge you provide is unparalleled, and I cannot believe I've been missing out for so long. Anyway, I have some questions for Eric about modern Gibson acoustic guitars. One of my local guitar shops recently acquired a 2016 Gibson J35. I'm about to go try it out, but I thought I'd get your opinion on this era of Gibson guitars and this model. What are your thoughts on Gibson acoustics from the last decade? Are there any modern Gibson acoustic guitar models that you have that you have seen for repair more often than others? What are some common issues to watch out for with modern Gibson acoustic guitars, and what do you recommend to prevent them? Thank you both for everything you do. That's from Randy from Alberta, Canada. Thanks, Randy. That's a lot of questions about modern Gibson acoustics there. Here, That's, uh, <laughs> uh, The Montana Gibson acoustics, uh, you know, they had kind of a rough start. Uh, a lot of them that I've seen that from from the early days, uh, it seems like they didn't really get it dialed in for the first several years. You see a lot of them with, like, weird neck angles, um, and they just sound dead. They seemed to have dialed it in better. Uh, they're not as they're not super consistent. So if you're going to go check one out in person, I think that's what he said he's doing. Right, mm-hmm. his local guitar shop acquired this guitar. Yeah, go check it out in person um, because they're. And I don't want to get in trouble with, you know, Gibson here, but I'm sorry, but they're kind of hit and miss. So um, make sure, you know, just like any other guitar, check out um, the neck angle. Uh, Make sure that the top isn't collapsing or or bulging out terribly. A little bit of bulge is, is good, but you don't want a pregnant looking top, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What are some of his other questions here? Are there any other? Are there any modern Gibson acoustic guitar models that you see for repair more often than others? Uh, boy, not that I can think of. Not that I can think of. For some right, for some reason, I see a lot of the songwriter. Uh, model, whatever that is, the songwriter. I don't know. I don't know why. 
Um, what else does he say? What are some common issues to watch out for? Uh, well, just everything that I mentioned there. Um, neck angle is a big one, right? And if you don't know how to properly look at an acoustic guitar and see that the neck angle is right, then have somebody who knows show you because it's hard for me to describe. <laughs> I described it to you once, didn't I? Yeah, you look from the headstock down the edge of the neck, mm-hmm. and if the end of the neck is pointing what at the bridge in between... Yeah, you basically, you want the neck to be a straight line that's pointing to where the saddle meets the bridge. Okay. And a lot of these Montana Gibson acoustics I've seen... The neck is set way too high, so that so it's got a super tall saddle, and the and the neck is pointing way too high. Hmm. It's like the neck is overset. You keep calling them Montana Gibsons. Are are they yeah, made in Montana? A, yeah, there's a Montana Gibson Acoustic Factory. Oh, I had no idea. I think that I think they're all made there. Wow. The the acoustics. And how do you know how when they started doing that? In the nineties. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Randy. Hey Eric, where'd you get that copper color I see on your on one I see on one of your tellies in your gallery on your website? If it's a secret, of course I understand. Thanks and stay healthy. That's mm-hmm, from Dean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not a secret, you know. A lot of times I'm mixing my own paint and and doing things that way, you know, the old school way. But a lot of times I will still use aerosols for color, right? And that is that copper color is a re-ranch uh copper aerosol. And there's no shame in that. You know, if I'm making three guitars in a month, right? And one of them's copper and one of them is Lake Placid blue mm-hmm. and one of them is, you know, blonde, it is really a pain. Yeah. <laughs> to mix three different colors. And clean out your gun every time. So a lot of times I use uh, aerosols for the color. And then um, I use my uh, HVLP paint sprayer to do the clear coat. Mm. To use good lacquer for the clear coat. But um, a, lot of the, a lot of the colors I use are, don't have any lacquer in them. They're toners. They're what's called toners from Mohawk. I use a lot of Mohawk toners. I don't think they have that copper. The, the copper that I use when I make, when I spray copper for, to get that color that you saw, um, that's a re-ranch aerosol. And I think that it is, it's, it, it really is a nitrocellulose lacquer with copper in it, where, where most of the times I'm using, I'm using paint from Mohawk that it's, uh, it's a toner. It's not paint. It's, it's just color. Hmm. Cool. And then you have to clear coat over that yeah right so that's where i that's where i got the copper from re-ranch thanks dean hello i just wanted to drop a line thanking you for the wonderful article you did for the fretboard journal's electric annual about the barn find esquire Mm. it was a joy to peek behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. man what a gorgeous restoration that's from isaac cool thanks yeah i was really flattered to have an article in the fretboard journal really flattered it turned out so that is a high quality publication isn't it it's so nice dude like really really nice printed on really nice paper yeah 
Yeah. And it's full color all the way through. It's classy. I know. And I'm proud to yeah. have an article in there. If you haven't seen it, I think it's it's shipping out now. You could still order it. Mm-hmm. That's the Fretboard Journal Electric Guitar Annual Volume 2 that has an article in it by yours truly about the Esquire I restored uh, a year ago or so. Yeah. And ironically, you you guys will never guess who is on the cover. It's Jack White. It wasn't me. It's yeah. Jack White. Jack White's on the cover. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. No, Jack it's White. fine. It's it was it just struck me as funny when we received it in the mail. I was talking to my buddy Zach in Seattle about mm-hmm. Zach White and uh, about Jack White. You mean about Jack White? What did I say? Zach White. <laughs> oh, I get confused because you ordered leather from somebody called Zach, Zach White, White leather. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I call him Jack Black. That's another guy. I know. He's a comedian. Right. Okay, tell me about what you were saying. I don't know. You were talking to Zach about Jack. Oh, right. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, they like Jack White. They think he's great. And they they say, Eric, what's your problem with Jack White? And honestly, I don't have a problem with Jack White. He's he's. If I sat down and had a beer with him, we we would have a lot to talk about. We probably have really similar musical tastes mm-hmm. we both like guitars uh i don't know what else he's probably a great guy but there was a time um i don't know 10 15 years ago when for some reason he, jack white was everywhere you couldn't you couldn't turn on the television without jack white popping his greasy head up right so like Jeez. there was there was like a like Willie Nelson's, you know, 80th birthday or something. And all these amazing country greats are there. And then Jack White. It's like, what are you doing there? Or uh, what was that? It might get loud. And they're talking to like, they're talking to Jimmy Page and and uh, Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton and these guys. And, and Jack White. What are you doing there? Right? He's not a le- he's not a a rock legend. Well, I think that you're being short-sighted because he is our era's now rock if, legend. Now if I were watching a documentary about bands like, you know, uh Death Cab for Cutie or something like that, then I would expect Jack White is is the section about Jack White. To me, it's it's a completely different genre and different... Anyway, the joke was, between me and a few guys I worked with at the time, since he was, you know, showing up everywhere, it was like one of those... It was like one of those things where, you know, Santana does a, does a, yes. a recording with everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was one of those things where we, we just joked about, oh, tonight on Seinfeld, Jack White. <laughs> or, here, here's, here's this new album. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir featuring Jack White. That was just the running gag. And it turned into Jack White became the butt of every joke. And and it's not out of malice. It's just that it was it was it was bizarre. The ubiquitousness of his presence just mm-hmm. became became a little bit surreal. Like he's the zelig of 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 guitar. You know, he just yeah. be, he just became whoever he, you know, was hanging around with. He's like, oh, he's now he's now he's in the same class as Willie Nelson. 
Okay. So anyway, that's the joke. Any, that is not that I don't like Jack White. I don't listen to him, and I'm, but I'm sure he's a great guy. It's just, I don't mean any disrespect. He, maybe he listens to the show. Hi, Jack. If he listens, sorry. If he listens to the show, I would be. Well, if he listened to the show, he doesn't anymore. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> he's not here in this episode. <laughs> Anyhow, whatever that had anything to do with anything. Thanks, Isaac. Thanks for the question. <laughs> Should we stock, stock up on Ash guitars? Reverb hasn't had many blonde road warns or Baja tellies for a while. Mm. Are you stashing some? Mm. Maybe it will be another Brazilian Rosewood scenario. Oh, I'd like to get your opinion. Super excited for my pinup Esquire. Love the podcast. Oh, yeah. Keep up the great work. That's from Nick. Yeah, I'm making I'm making a guitar for Nick. Um, should we stock up on Ash? I have I have a whole bunch. You know, not enough. If if it's going to become rare, I don't have enough. Mm-hmm. So should you stock up? No. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that to me. <laughs> There's no need to have ash guitar bodies right. around, guys. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, it's it's right next to my uh, my ginormous stash of toilet paper. <laughs> That does it for the show. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us and participating. We do appreciate it. If you want to take part in the show, you can do that by going to my website, if your internet works. Uh, that's at <laughs> ericdaw.com, E-R-I-C-D-A-W, and click the contact link. Send your question in there, and we'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is just to call or text 757 774 8482. That works better if you have a rotary phone. It's 757-774-8482. Again, rotary phone calls only. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. Good night. Good night.